What's going on, everybody? Stone Labanowitz of ESPN 106.3 in West Palm Beach, Florida. Producer and co-host of the Ken LaVica Live show weekdays from 12 to 2. Hosted by the man himself, Ken LaVica. Also, appreciate you guys tapping in to the one of our many podcast platforms here at ESPN 106.3. All right. I am here with Australia's finest, Travis Smythe, current member of the Asian and European Tour and now active player on the Live Golf Tour, sitting at 362 on the official World Golf Rankings. What's going on, my man? Glad we could make this happen, but uh, how is life treating you post-London? Hey, mate. Good to be a part of it all. You're the first person I've ever spoken to from ESPN, so... Oh, yeah. Exciting. <laughs> oh, mate, it's, uh, it's been amazing, honestly, just... I guess making a little bit of money more than I'm used to <laughs> makes makes me makes me feel a little bit more free, you know. Going on like some nice dinner dates with the girlfriend, not worrying about how much it costs. Oh so, yes. Um, but yeah, I uh, I'm thinking about joining a, a pretty nice country club in America, and that's always been a, a goal, dream of mine, kind of thing. Um, so it's it's really exciting. I'm really happy. Hey man, I know some country clubs down here in South Florida that you'll fit right in at. Yeah, mate. One day I'll. Uh, so I'm currently living in Chicago, and one day I'll I'll be living in America full time, and hopefully I'm a, uh, you know, Florida in the winters, and maybe Chicago still in the summers. So that's that's the goal. I love it. I love it. Hey, Travis, you're involved in what I would deem, and I'm only 23 years old, so take it with a grain of salt. But the most fascinating thing to happen to the sport of golf, and arguably, I don't know, the past 100 years maybe, and that's the Live Golf Tour. But instead of ringing you up and peppering you with questions, coming from a moral angle, just trying to, I don't know, deepen the divide between fans, events, golfers. I mean, two weeks ago, Ian Poulter and Lee Westwood were asked if they would play in an event hosted by Vladimir Putin. And no, I am not kidding. I'm sure you saw it. Also, stuff like, is it hard to sleep knowing you're accepting blood money? Or even something along the lines of, have you considered what this will do to your legacy? I mean, you're 27 years old, Travis. You're still creating your legacy. We don't have time to spend it thinking about where you stack up in the grand scheme of things. I get really aggravated when they ask young golfers these type of questions, and I don't know if you saw Bryson DeChambeau's quote in Brookline before the U.S. Open. He was asked, what do you think about your legacy? What is joining the Live Tour going to do to your legacy? And he goes, I'm going to create a new legacy. And the reporter, right then asked, the reporter then asked, what is that? And Bryson said, whatever it is. Do you feel the same way as Bryson DeChambeau does? Yeah, look, I... It's a very hard decision for those big-name players, PJ Tour stars. Um, but, you know, for me personally, coming from the Asian Tour, it's a huge step up. These guys are financially stable as it is, so I understand the hard decisions they're making. But for me, you know, I need the money. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely so pumped to be a part of it all. And exactly what Bryson said, you know, it's a business decision. He's going to create a new legacy. The long-term goal of this Live Golf Tour is, you know, it's, 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 it's all about the teams, and it's going to be... Um, you know, maybe 10, 15 years time from now, instead of going for just single players, you you know, you, you're going for teams just how you are in the NFL and the NBA and all these other sports. So, you know, maybe in golf in the future, your legacy is five-time um, team winner of the Live Golf Tour. That's, you know, that's that's the potential that this thing kind of has. So it's, um, it's still unknown what that legacy is going to be, but, you know... Uh, to be a part of it all when it's first starting out is uh, pretty exciting. No, absolutely. Like I said a second ago, I'm going to try to stand neutral and not ask those weird, just annoying questions. I'm going to talk about the positive aspects of the tour, the benefits it provides for grinders and guys who've spent their whole life, like yourself, trying to climb the ranks 
and ultimately yep. make a living, man. So, but with all that being said, let's kick things off talking about your mindset. You seem super happy. I've latched on to you on social media, man. You're very active. Where's your head at with all of this? Are you in the healthiest frame of mind you've been in in your five years being a pro? Um, I'll look, to be honest, like life's been pretty good for a while. Um, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty easygoing guy. I grew up in a small little beach town in Australia, and I've been playing golf on the Asian tour. You know, traveling to these amazing countries, and it's it's a lot of fun. You know, it's not where I want to be forever, obviously, but you know, it's it's nice to have made a little bit more money, and I can do a few few things that I couldn't do before, you know. Um, But I wouldn't say I'm in like this crazy, you know, far beyond frame of mind that I've never been in kind of thing, if that answers your question. No, I mean, absolutely. I had to ask. Just Like I said, I'm new to you. I've been following you for about a week or two now. So, I mean, I just had to ask. But I stumbled across you watching the London Invitational last weekend, the first ever Live Golf Tour event. You guys finished second. And when I say you guys, I mean the Crushers, led by Captain Peter Uline. I got to admit, dude, I enjoyed watching it. I think YouTube did a great job on the broadcast. The shotgun start allowed for me to bounce between team to team. And uh, as you know, I mean, watching a regular PGA Tour event, if you don't have a Peacock account or a PGA Tour TV account, you're lucky to get four feature groups. And most of the time, I don't even want to watch the guys in the feature groups. So I think with what you guys are doing, it's a little different. But have you had a chance to watch your rounds on YouTube yet? What'd you think? Um, yeah, I watched it briefly. I think um, there's still a little bit of room for improvement, but it was it, it was far superior than the PJ Tour, or European Tour, um, or any any golf. Um, to be to be honest, uh, I think what you'll see is you're going to see some more um, players. You know, like for instance, I was coming, you know, around 30th, middle of the pack, uh, the final day, right? Yeah, it could. I think what you'll see is they're going to show. Guys in that position that are that, that are amongst the team that are contending for the first, second, third place, you know, it's going to tune in. It's going to be like, all right, Travis Smythe coming thirty. This 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 putt is to stay, um, you know, one clear of third place in the teams, and then it's going to switch over to this is Peter Uline on the, you know, four holes to go. This is to get him into fourth place in the individual, and you'll you'll see a bunch of stuff like that. So everything is, you know, the team aspect is so important and. Um, basically makes you never give up, you know, no matter where you are on the leaderboard. So I think the fans will love that. Um, what you'll see is there's going to be some microphones on the, the players and the caddies. Um, you know, for the, for the viewer, it's, it's going to be the best, best product there is. Yeah, I wish you were mic'd up. So I heard an interview, and I don't, I don't want to talk the dollar amount, but I did laugh when I heard it. So I, I think you whispered before Peter Uline stepped up, I think it was a 15-foot putt you mentioned. You said, hey, Peter. You yeah. uh, you realize this putt's for 150 grand. I mean, did, how did he take that? Did he smile? Did he laugh? No, no, I didn't say that to him. Like, I'm oh. I'm, I'm I'm with my teammates uh, oh. on, the, on the 18th green. We we just got there in time, and we knew what that putt meant. And um, yeah, it was awesome. He he rolled it in, and I, he didn't he didn't realize. And then at the at the end, when he come off the green, um, as a team, we all went up there and, and told him, and he's um. He was super happy. He was, you know, like he, he just won like a million dollars in the individual. Yeah. You think he wouldn't, you, you know, you think he wouldn't care about that extra 150 grand, but hey, like it's the team camaraderie, you know, we're all there high five and hugging each other. And um, it was just so cool because we weren't, I didn't know Peter Uline before that week. I didn't know Richard Bland. I knew Pachara, who was the other teammate. Um, but just that feeling, you know, like I grew up playing football rugby in australia and i hadn't felt that like team you know camaraderie after a win in, in such a long time and regardless of if it was ten thousand dollars twenty thousand dollars but who five thousand dollars like right it, it, it was it was awesome it was, it was a lot of fun i mean to me 
is is super super cool and i i just love the change man i love what it's doing you mentioned teams we spoke about it a little bit a little bit ago but let's talk about that so there's a 48 player field 12 captains 12 teams it's a snake draft with 36 picks explain what that process was like like set the scene for me who all was there where'd you get drafted just how did all that go down yeah it was it was pretty cool um I've never actually seen a draft like you Americans are probably used to seeing huge NFL baseball drafts or however it works, but yeah. I've never actually seen one. So we were at some studio. There was probably a couple hundred people there watching huge sort of media camera production going on. Um, big stage, two presenters, um, and then the, the 12 tables for the 12 teams. And they announced all the captains with their sort of biography, um, their achievements and that sort of thing. And then it went So Dustin Johnson was the highest ranked player. He actually chose, got to pick his, it was last. He was last to pick. So the highest ranked player got to choose first in the draft. Yeah. And um, it just kind of went around and around. And so, yeah, I got, I got teamed up with the Crushers. And, um, yeah, it was like an early Christmas present being a part of that team. <laughs> I love it. So let's talk a little bit about format. I'm going to play yep. you an audio from John Rom, And I'd assume you've already heard it. But I don't know if the audience has. So here's Rom at the U.S. Open press conference talking about the format when asked about the live golf event. To be honest, part of the format is not really appealing to me. Shotgun three days to me is not a golf tournament, no cut. It's that simple. Uh, I want to play against the best in the world in a format that's been going on for hundreds of years. Right. So that's what I want to see. All right. I'll cut it right there. Like I said, I assume you heard it. But what's your response? Uh. Look, I don't know John Rahm. I don't know if he's actually telling the truth or not. You know, he's obviously aligned to the PGA Tour, so uh, I'm assuming he's pretty media trained. He knows exactly what to say, exactly what the, the purists want to hear. Um, but that's his opinion. You know, shotgun start means everyone plays off in the same conditions. There's no good or bad side of the draw. You know, I'd like to see maybe an interview of John Rahm getting a bad side of the draw and, and hear what he has to say about that. So... Uh, <laughs> You know, um, for sure, and it's really fun. And you know, the whole, all the spectators are out there lining the fairways before the first tee goes off, before the shotgun start starts. Um, I think it's exciting. The fans definitely loved it in London. Um, and at the end of the day, if the fans and the players are happy, uh, I think everyone wins. I love that, man. So a lot of golf fans are claiming that going to live is running from competition, and John Rom kind of hinted at that. How competitive yeah. is the live field? What did you see in London? Um, well, obviously, the more players will be signing up over time. The fields are going to get stronger and stronger. Um, you know, it was the first one. People criticized the level of play, not knowing how difficult that golf course was, not knowing how um, hard the conditions were. It was a proper golf course. Like, it was really, really hard. Um, and it's funny, you know, because you, you play U.S. Opens and all the fans get really excited when players struggle, you know, the scores aren't going too, too many under par. And now we're playing proper golf courses in proper conditions, and now we're getting sledged for the quality of play. But, mate, anything under par on that golf course was unreal in those conditions, and maybe it just didn't come across that way on TV. But as a player, I'll, I'll tell everyone now, like, it, it, it was playing tough. But, you know, not often does Kevin Nah. Um, Phil Mickelson shoot 10 over par, you know, for three rounds. Like, these guys, I can't remember all the um, scores from everyone, but, like, some of these players shooting five, six, seven over par for three rounds just doesn't happen often unless it's a U.S. Open quality or, like, a, like a memorial invitational-type golf course. Uh, it was tough. 
No, I mean, I mean, mad respect. And I understand you, you said on Instagram that it was showing its teeth. It looked pretty windy and everything. But Travis, you're fresh off a runner-up at the Asian Tour International event in Northumberland, which gained you entry into the first ever live golf event that was held last weekend in London, like we mentioned earlier. You shot a 66. You went low. The putter was hot. And you were the leader going into Sunday. But here's what's interesting, and here's what most people don't know. Tell me how you qualified. Was it the final two or the final five players when it was all said and done? How'd that work? Yeah, so I, it was kind of confusing. I didn't really, I didn't really know where I stood. I didn't know what I had to come. Basically, what it is is we have these special events within the Asian Tour called the International Series. Now, the International Series events is what qualifies you for live, and it's the top five got into the London event. The next two will be top three. I'm pretty sure from the International Series events. Okay. And uh, so basically that's how we're going to qualify. There's always going to be that category for the Live Tour. Um, as the, the Saudis are invested in the Asian Tour, there's like an alliance there. Their goal is to, to bring Asian Tour to one of the best tours in the world, maybe second or third in the world. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Only time will tell. But, um, yeah, the, the, the carrot dangling is playing well in those International Series events. And that's like a separate order of merit within itself. So you want to play well in those, be in that top three order of merit, and, and that's how you keep qualifying for these live events. Yeah, I mean, it just speaks to the, the kind of player you are. You leveled up and went out and grabbed that carrot when it matters most. In that round in England, you averaged 294 yards off the tee. Man, those are bombs. You hit 14 greens in regulation. Seemed like the putter was hot, too. You even sunk that 33-footer on 17. I'm not going to lie, kind of saved your ass a little bit. But what would you say is the strongest part of your game right now, Travis? Uh, probably iron play, um, scrambling around the greens. Um, but as of late, I mean, this last week in preparation, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Like, I've worked on some things with my coach. Uh, everything feels pretty tidy. Uh, if, I can, if I can get out there amongst the crowds and feel comfortable in this sort of new uh, setting for me, um, I think my, my good golf will shine, and I'll, I'll contend for sure. I love that. Speaking of your game, you recently called yourself an Asian Tour-level player. Is that beginning to change? I mean, what has playing alongside legends and guys who have not just won but dominated majors, like a Phil Mickelson, like a Dustin Johnson and a Brooks Koepka, what has that done to your game? Yeah, well, look, I didn't, I didn't feel like I played that well in the first London event. Um, you know, I was 10 over par for the three rounds, which isn't, isn't that great. I probably would have been content with maybe five over because of how hard it was playing. Um, but, you know, playing at Slaley, I, I played the third round with Peter Uline and I was up near the lead and I shot a nice five under there and, and I, felt, I felt pretty good about myself there, you know. And then the final round, uh, I didn't win, but I shot three under and didn't quite feel I had my good stuff. But coming down the stretch, I, I pulled off a lot of good shots and I hold a lot of nice clutch putts and these are, these are things that are just ticking over your confidence and, and making you feel, feel a lot better. Um, you know, to be honest, I, I had a really good amateur career. I got to 11 in the world, played alongside, you know, a lot of um, top players. USM, I, I played against Will Zalatoris, and I beat him there. And um, I'm sure he still loses sleep over that. But, uh, <laughs> but, but no, nah, I had a good amateur career and, and just, just got off to a slow start in the pro ranks and um, kind of just been doing okay in Asia. Uh, but unfortunately, I haven't just got through Q school in America and I haven't like, been on that stage to, to kind of shine. So I'm really looking forward to this opportunity, playing alongside these good players. Hopefully I can bring out my good golf. I think I will. Um, and, and really kickstart my, my, sort of my career on, on this stage. Yeah, no doubt about it. So I'm looking at the captains in Portland right now. Travis, if you could pick which one of these guys would you want to get drafted by and why? Let me run down the list real quickly. So leading the Crushers is Bryson DeChambeau. 
With the Majestics, that's Lee Westwood. With Smash Golf Club, that's Brooks Kepka. The High Flyers, Phil. Fireballs, such a fitting name for Sergio Garcia. The Ironheads, Kevin Na. Punch Golf Club, Wade Ormsby. Niblicks, Graham McDowell. I mean, you, you know those are the captains. Who would you want to get drafted yeah. by for next week? Oh, look, mate, uh, I'm not picky, but my, <laughs> my, heart, my heart is at the Crushers. You know, that's where I started. I was one of the founders of the Crushers. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, honestly, I, I don't really mind. But, yeah, definitely if, uh, if Bryson's ever going to hear this, mate, um, <laughs> I, could, I, I contributed to the, to the second place in uh, London, and I, I still want to be part of the Crushers team. I'm actually looking at my Crushers hat right now. <laughs> I mean, there it is. Listen, you were averaging almost 300 yards off the tee. Bryson can do the same damn thing. I don't know. I can see it. I can see it with uh, the crushers there and Bryson. That's really good stuff, Travis. Again, here with Travis Smythe, currently of the Live Golf Tour, who is set to tee off next week at Pumpkin Ridge in Portland, Oregon. All right, Travis, it's time. Let's talk uh-huh. money. You know we have to. Last week yep. in an interview, you said your goal was to, quote, improve my game and the money comes with it. Dude, you made more than I think, if I read correctly, $500,000, more than half a million dollars in London for the second place finish with your team, the Crushers. Man, you dwarfed your career prize money earnings in three days' work. What on God's earth are you going to do with all that? Oh, mate. Well, like I said, I'm going to join a nice country club here in Chicago. Um, uh, it's called Knollwood Club. I played a Western Amateur there, and I remember stepping foot on the property thinking, man, how nice would it be to be a member of a place like this? Wow. Um, where, where I grew up, golf courses were they were all public. There was no private courses. You know, It was like you know maybe $1,000 Australian, which, <laughs> which isn't much in U.S. dollars per, per year to be a member. Um, so to be able to Jesus. afford you know, some of these really nice, high-end country clubs, you know, with small memberships and amazing practice facilities. I just cannot wait to to do that. So I'll definitely do that. You know, maybe I'll just fly business, you know, all the time now, whereas before I wouldn't. Um, But, mate, uh, I'm investing in myself, you know. I'm going to pay my coach what he deserves. I'm going to pay my caddy what he deserves. Um, I might find a charity. I might find uh, something, something I can contribute to. So, I've never really even thought about that until now. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'm going to invest in myself and, and, and maybe throw some money towards some charities. And that's, yeah, that's, that's basically it. I mean, that's just awesome. If I were to ask you five years ago in 2017, if you'd be playing three rounds of golf, 54 holes, coming in second and raking in more than half a million dollars, what the hell would you have said to me, Trav? Look, honestly, five years ago, I was, like I said, I had a good amateur career. I thought I was going to be on the PGA Tour pretty quick mm. and, and, and making a lot of money. So, uh, I wouldn't have thought it was that crazy, but you had asked me uh, six months ago or a year ago before this live thing even started. I'd be like, "Yeah, that's, that's insane. Like, that's not worth that." Like, Fifty-four holes, shotgun starts, twenty-five million dollar purses, <laughs> playing around the world, good golf courses with these players. It's, I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's sick. It's sick. It's it's borderline epic, and I know you use that word a lot. You do realize but, you're living the dream, right? I mean, you are, in my eyes, one of the 47 most lucky athletes on the planet right now. You don't get chased and hit by 300-pound guys who have intentions to hurt you. You're not swinging at 97-mile-an-hour fastballs. I mean, dude, you're out there swinging the sticks around, doing what you love. You realize how lucky you are, right? I mean, what does this mean to you, your family, your team, your manager, your caddies? I mean, come on, man. This is crazy. Yeah, look, it is. Uh, Growing up in a small little beach town uh, called Shell Harbour, um, which is south of Sydney, Australia, 
you know, everyone just lives a pretty relaxed lifestyle and to have that sort of money, to have the freedom to kind of do what you want, you know. I'm still nowhere near some of these, you know, big-time PJ Tour players, but uh, I can say it's more than enough to keep Travis Smith happy. Um, and uh, I'm just going to keep uh, trying to improve my golf game and um, more money should be flowing. I mean, I love that. I absolutely love that, Travis. You said less than a week ago on the Teed Up podcast, quote, your whole life growing up, it's always been about the PGA Tour, getting on the PGA yeah. Tour and being successful. Is there anything in you, and this is going to be my one lame question, and I apologize, <laughs> but yep. it's possibly your conscious, but is it telling you that you're kind of taking the back door, that you're going against all of the things you kind of set out to do earlier in your golf career? I mean, is there any yeah. bit of guilt that's crept into your head? Be honest. Uh, look, my, so I'm qual- I have to qualify my way to live, right? I haven't like secured my spot for the entire year. So this, these are just like bonus events kind of thing for me. Obviously, now that I'm in a few, my goal is to stay on the live tour, pl- play my way and secure my spot within it. I don't really know how. I'm assuming I probably just have to win to keep myself there. Um, so it's not like I'm a live tour player locked in for a number of years. So I'm going to go back to the Asian tour and, and, and still play. Now, I have a decision to make if I'm going to even go to Cornford Q School and try and uh, you know, continue that sort of dream of getting through Q School, playing on the Corn Ferry Tour, working my way up to the PJ Tour. Um, that's that's still uh, in the in the question. So I've got a lot to think about. I uh, I definitely want to be able to play these international series events that qualify me for the Live Tour. Um, if I'm allowed to do both, I think I probably will. I'll probably I probably will enter Corn Ferry Q School at the end of the year and. Um, you know, Greg Norman keeps saying like he, he wants to be able to work with the PGA Tour. So no, so maybe best case scenario is I continue this path to the PGA Tour. Um, you know, maybe I can still play some Asian Tour events and, and try and qualify for live. Best case scenario is I, is I can kind of maybe juggle both and, and yeah. just you know if I if I play well enough on both sides, there's there's a, there's a you know you can make a lot of money. You can you can progress you know both both ways, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's all kind of confusing. I don't even know if I'm allowed to go to Corn Ferry Q School or not. I'm assuming I am, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, right. It's kind of like you went from a grinder to an earner, but at the same time, I mean, you're doing it simultaneously. It's super fascinating stuff. But, Travis, another lame, boring questions. But wherever you look, whether it's national television, national radio, I mean, people seem to be making this crap political, and I don't know why. I want to read Greg Norman's statement and get your reaction. Yep. Quote, look, if they want to look at it in prism, then why does the PGA Tour have 23 sponsors within the PGA Tour doing $40-plus billion worth of business with Saudi Arabia? Why is it okay for the sponsors? Why is it okay that there's a Saudi sponsor, Aramco, the largest sponsor of women's golf in the world? Why is it okay for them? And why is it not okay for my players? Will Jay Monahan go to each and every one of those CEOs of the 23 companies that are investing into Saudi Arabia and suspend them and ban them? The hypocrisy in all this, it's so loud, it is deafening. Travis, do you agree with Greg? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, like the leader of your country, Joe Biden, it's, you know, everybody knows he's doing deals with Saudi Arabia, that sort of thing. Like the power that these guys have, the the, the way the world goes around, like, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing here, but the, the deals that he's making is so much bigger than, you know, just what, what's happening in golf. Mm. And, you know, if it's important for, for him to go and try, and try and partner with Saudi Arabia and make these deals happen for the benefit of the United States, 
you know, what's 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 the problem with golf? You know, I mean, I mean, right? As a, as a little kid, I mean, you just dreamed of playing golf, winning tournaments, and making money. So for social media platforms, the national media, and television to take it this way, it's a little annoying to me. But I do respect you guys kind of turning up the heat in the kitchen. I enjoy seeing everybody squirm, and uh, I know yeah. I know you're really active on Twitter, going after trolls. So please keep that up. That uh, uh makes uh <laughs> makes me makes me really happy when uh, people don't yeah, know look. What, people don't know what they're talking about and get told right away. Yeah, I mean, people are ruthless on Twitter, man. Like I've contemplated deleting it and just getting off it because it's you know every now and again there'll be someone that will say something negative to to you, and you just feel like you have to respond and put, get your point across and. Oh, look, it's it's kind of sad in a way. I see people from my own country giving me shit about it. Um, you just can't win this war. You know, hopefully over time it, it settles down a little bit. You know, what, whatever Travis Smart says isn't going to change anyone's opinion. And, mm. you know, I, I'm just doing for, for my best interest. And, you know, so are the other players. And, yeah, it's... Basically, you can't win the battle. You can't keep everyone happy. I mean, you're never going to win the battle. Travis, I know you're crunched for time, so I got a few more things for you before I let you go. Travis, I hear you're so, you have some sort of obsession with coffee. I mean, uh, don't you bring oh, it with you on the road everywhere you travel? I mean, what the heck's up with that? Dude, uh, I'm down a deep rabbit hole with coffee. Uh, <laughs> I'm basically a barista, but I'm not a barista. Like, I'm, I'm so hooked on it. It's insane. I, I grew up with good coffee everywhere in Australia. Um, and, yeah, I, I travel all the time. Sometimes I go to remote places, so I... I bring my own coffee, I bring my own scale, my own hand grinder so I can grind it fresh. I bring my own kettle and everything is measured to perfection. You know, um, I, I started out with just sort of like just normal, okay, good coffee. At the time, I thought it was really good coffee and now I've discovered this new stuff called Gesha and it's basically like the the Bordeaux of, of coffee. Um, <laughs> it's awesome. It's from... It's from very like special farms around the world. It's it's you know the process from from the farm to the cafe finished product is like an extra five six weeks than what it normally takes for regular coffee. Um, so it's pretty special. It's it's pretty expensive. It works out to be like five six seven dollars every time I make a cup of coffee. But um, it's it's pretty good. It's like my meditation. I, I absolutely love it. I love it. I, I love it as well. I'm a big coffee guy. I usually pound three or four before I actually get going and before I hop on the air and, and kind of get uh, the day going. Oh, dude. Also, I've got to make you one. Oh, please, 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 yeah. please. Before I get you out of here, give the people a sneak peek into that hair routine, man. For all of you guys listening who have never seen Travis, he's got a beautiful set of lettuce sitting on his head. I mean, how do you, how do you take care of that thing? <laughs> I have a buddy who... Uh, Lives in Sydney currently, and I, I hit him up this morning. I was like, "Yo, I'm I'm, I'm talking to Travis Smythe later on," and he goes, "Travis Smythe, the blonde," and and I just said, <laughs> I just said some laughy faces back, and he goes, "That's that's great," or whatever. But yeah. how, do you, how do you take care of them things, dude? It's so easy. It's uh, <laughs> I just I just tie it up, wash it a couple times a week. I don't have to style it. I don't have to put gel in. Got to brush it. Got to brush out the the knots every now and again. But um, it's so much easier than having short hair. You know, there's, there's no hat hair. It's, it's always tied up. It's easy. Um, I thought about cutting it a few times, but it's, it's a part of me now. Where I grew up in Australia, um, all, all the surfer dudes and people, you know, we live by the beach and, and a lot of males have long hair and I was fortunate to have blonde hair. So I think it's, um, it's, it's part of me now. It's, it's staying around for a while. You're talking about you surfed a little bit. You know, I'm down here in South Florida. 
I'm wakeboarding God. on a currents. We're always scurfing. We're always holding a rope behind a boat. We're at the beach at the God. sandbar. What do you say God. if Bryson DeChambeau drafts you and you win? I come out. We drink Victoria bitters wherever we go. Whenever, whenever some VBs. Whenever you go back to Aussie, and uh, right. and, and and you make me a coffee. Make you a coffee. We ride off into the sunset. <laughs> surf, surf a break somewhere amazing. How good does that sound? It sounds amazing. <laughs> Travis, that was awesome. I cannot thank you enough for your time. I know you're a super busy man now and also a rich one. And if you want to follow Travis's journey, as it seems to just be getting started, follow him on Twitter at TravSmytheG. That is T-R-A-B-S-M-Y-T-H-G. And Instagram as well at T-R-A-V-S-M-Y-T-H. Trav, again, thanks for the time, my man, and I wish you the best of luck next week in Portland. And take care of the hair, man. (laughs) Thank you so much, mate. Glad to be a part of it all. Reach out whenever you want. I'd love to be uh, on your show again. Yes, sir.